Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Chow Tu, a writer, podcast producer, and the editor of Slate Plus. And now here's our first letter. Okay, this next one is um, a lot. It's also a really great example of why someone who wants to offer someone else an apology really needs to do some careful thinking about whether or not that apology is welcome before they just dump it. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is dumping for sure. (laughs) I am so sorry. So the, the subject is, my brother apologized for groping me. I have no memory of it. Dear Prudence, I have a half brother, we have the same dad, who lives across the country. We didn't grow up together, but he spent a few weeks each summer at our home with me, my mom, and our dad. I'm not close with my brother due to distance and drama with my mom. This week, he asked to speak with me. I assumed it was about his job search, since he was interested in switching into an industry that's similar to mine. Instead, I was completely shocked when he said he wanted to apologize for molesting me. I have zero recollection of this, so I asked him to explain. He said there was a single account. When I was nine and he was eight, he snuck into my room while I was sleeping and groped my breasts. It came up for him in therapy, and he wanted to apologize and take accountability. He, or his therapist, believe our distant relationship was because I remembered this encounter and didn't feel safe around him. Actually, I'm a really hard sleeper. I always have been. I didn't know. I wasn't triggered by his confession, and I don't want to carry this trauma. I don't feel sad or mad about this situation. I don't feel like a victim or a survivor, and I don't feel like he's a predator. I just don't know what to do with this information. I wish he had never brought it up. Do I talk to our dad? Do I enroll in therapy? Do I cut him off? Is it weird that I'm not upset? First off, it is not weird that you're not upset by something you've never recalled or something that you just didn't recall happened in your life. Yeah, you. I mean, letter writer, you're really just across the board blameless here. I don't often get to say that to people. like, And I'm sure in your life you've done something imperfect, but yeah, you've you're entitled to feel anything here. You, you haven't done anything wrong, anything weird, anything offbeat. You were just handed a really strange confession uh, that you didn't know what to do with for good reason. Um, you're not doing anything weird. Yeah. Um, I guess the first, I, I think my first step in this would just to be honest with the half-brother and tell him that you don't remember it. that this was not something that has traumatized you. This is not the reason why you're distant with him. There is no animosity because you simply just do not remember this incident. Yeah. You know, it's again, like my advice here is basically going to be do whatever you want, letter writer, because I just think Mm -hmm. they should feel enormous freedom to do or say whatever they want here. Um, So if part of you just feels like, I don't want to invite further conversation about this. I don't want to talk about it with him again. I'm just going to let that one go. 
you you can absolutely do that. You do not have to go back and have another super uncomfortable conversation. Um, if you feel up to it, then absolutely you can. And and, and I, I'm with you. I think the thing that I would say would be, um, I can appreciate that this is weighed heavily on you. I actually didn't know about this. And I wish that you had considered that possibility before you decided to share this with me. Um, I wish you had perhaps asked if I was available for a difficult conversation about our childhood or done something that signaled what you were going to do. As it was, I felt kind of ambushed and like this had more to do with managing your discomfort than anything that had to do with me. Again, letter writer, if you hear that and you're like, that's going to invite a whole conversation I don't really want to have, feel free not to say that. You can also just say, thanks for apologizing. I actually didn't remember that. It does not affect me. Um, I, I hope you can go in peace. You know That would also be fine. You do not have to talk to your father about this. You do not have to enroll in therapy. You do not have to decide that this makes you something that you're not or that this needs to be some huge weight that you carry around with you. Uh, no, you don't have to do any of those things. Yeah, it seems like on the brother's side, there's a lot of baggage that comes with this confession. And I would say you don't have to carry that out at all. Like uh, that's absolutely something that you do not need to do. Yeah. And, you know, certainly, it, you know, it's good that he knows this was wrong. It's good that he felt bad about it. So so it's not like, oh, no, he feels bad about it. What a, you know, what a chum. It's just, um, I, I think he was more focused on making himself feel better and speculating about why you might not talk to him that often rather than thinking, how would this potentially affect my half-sibling who I never talked to about serious things and has never given any impression that this is weighing on her other than, again, like what he has assumed about you. I also wonder how, like what the letter writer should do if this brother does bring it up with the dad. Like I, that's something that I guess I worry about is that if this brother is trying to come to terms with this confession and trying to come to terms with whatever else baggage is coming with this, maybe this would be brought up uh, with the dad and, or in a bigger scope with the family. And so that might be a, a difficult situation. And I'm not quite sure. I mean, I would, I, I mean, again, that's why I say like, you should just be honest with your brother and just be upfront and just say like, yeah, this doesn't affect me and I don't remember. But I could see that maybe being a bigger issue later on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not really sure what the letter writer could do on that front other than say like, if, if you really do want to apologize to me, if you really want to do something that can make an amends to me, you know, my request is that you take my letting you know that I'm not carrying around hurt feelings over it seriously. You take me at my word and don't bring it up again. You know, if you need to talk about it more in therapy, do that. But, you know, leave me out of it. I hope he could hear that. It's also possible that he's at that kind of stage of, I feel bad. I can only imagine relieving my guilt through confession. So I need to keep spewing my confessions at people so that I can feel cleansed. And then when that effect lifts, I need to go confess at somebody else. So it's possible that he may do that. And it's same thing, even if you, you know, this might be one of those situations where I'm like, I sort of wish you could tell him how to feel but you really can't. And so just if if he does, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. And I, I I think you could say like to tell him that you don't feel comfortable like really talking about it any further than this. Yeah. You you just don't have to. And and I've been 
I've wanted to be careful about like, I want to say all this without kind of trying to say like, well, here's where I think this incident falls on the scale of how bad something is. Like, um, I, I don't really want to go into that um, or speculate. Um, but I think it is appropriate that at least based on the relationship that you have had with him, even this particular anecdote that he has shared with you, um, that you're like, well, my memory of our limited interactions as children was not one where you like repeatedly harmed me or tried to take advantage of me or exploited, you know, a difference in age or size. Like, again, I don't say any of that suggesting that like a younger child can't harm a slightly older child. I just mean like, it sounds like your recollection of your childhood interactions is mostly accurate. Um, mostly you just didn't run into each other. Mostly he, he didn't really affect you. He did something that was wrong and that he feels terrible about, and that also didn't really affect you. It doesn't mean that that's going to make him feel good or or even that he should feel great about it. It just means he did not happen to um, deliver lasting harm to you. And you may change, you know, you may change your mind about that. You may feel weirder like six months from now. That would be okay if you're allowed to feel differently as time goes on. Sometimes you have a delayed reaction to this kind of thing. So again, really just feel whatever you need to feel. Don't be shocked if that changes. Don't be shocked if it doesn't change. If you just kind of always feel like that was weird and I wish he hadn't told me, that's fine. Yeah, I agree. It's tough when, I mean, you got to trust yourself and you you know, like you didn't remember, you don't, this isn't affecting you in, in any way that you know of. So trust that. Yep. And, you know, beyond that, if if you are in therapy and you say to your therapist that you feel terrible about something you did as a child, and you're not sure if the other person knows what it was, but you really want to apologize, boy, oh boy, think about how do you first approach someone to ask if they are interested in having a complicated conversation about their childhood and potentially hearing an apology from you. Because I, I think some people just assume any apology is going to be welcome and necessary and will automatically result in absolution or forgiveness. And sometimes it is like this. It's just handing somebody this weird weight and saying, this is your problem now. And so, you know, if anything, I think he's he's blundered more now as an adult with with more, you know, moral agency and 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 adult responsibility than he did as a child. And so I think it is definitely possible to mean well and to want to apologize and to make somebody's life worse than if you had just left them alone. Yeah, and the letter also seem, mentions that it seems like the brother thinks that this was the reason why uh, the letter writer and the and the brother are not close, and it and maybe that's where he should have started, <laughs> if anything. Yeah, because that's just so much speculation, <laughs> and like maybe if he had said, "I feel like we're not very close," is there a reason why? <laughs> and you might have just said, "Like, yeah, but I don't care," you know, like not that you would have necessarily said, "Like, yeah, but who gives a shit?" But just like. I'm fine with our relationship being what it is. I never knew you very well as a kid. Our parents have weird relationships with each other. I generally wish you well, but you're not part of my inner circle. You know, if he had been able to find that out first, I think that would have been a pretty big clue that you were not like, by the way, you really betrayed and harmed me as a child. And he would have been able to calibrate his um, his next move better. So it's a good good way not to start an apology. Would you read our next letter? Yes. Subject line, family rumors. Dear Prudence, I am very happily married to Rocky. We have no kids, great careers, and great sex nine years into our marriage. His three brothers live on our property in separate dwellings. 
For what it's worth, one is gay and one is asexual. They occasionally join us for dinner, but have their own lives. They lost their parents and grandparents in a few short years as young adults and are very close. I fell in love with Rocky partly because of his devotion to his brothers. My twin sister and I grew up tossed between a narcissistic mother, a neglectful father, codependent grandparents, and resentful stepmothers. My twin sister makes rock-on puns to me. Our half-siblings want to live with me or have me fund their lifestyles because our parents are old and broke. I make a very good living. I feel guilty because I am the eldest. I know what it is like to be growing up in the emotional whirlpool of our family, and I want to help. But my oldest half-sister made jokes to my face about my harem. Apparently, this is funny. I have confronted enough of my paternal side of my family to see that most of them have spread the joke or considered it. I want to scrub my skin with lie. My sister told me dirty minds have dirty thoughts and brought up our paternal side's many affairs and brushes with the law. I just can't cut the cord. I want to be better. I want to help. I can help. But I will not let my marriage be tarnished because we helped my brother-in-laws first. Just why? I was a little... I, I wish I could have like been in the room during some of these conversations. Not because... like like. It just feels like the rock on puns bit to me feels like, well, that's silly, but it didn't feel especially weighty, if that makes sense. Yeah. That that felt really different from my half-siblings want to move in with us. And I, I get that, yeah, like if, if the dynamic is just really bad, sometimes it can get to a point where it's sort of like everything feels fraught, everything feels charged, um, even when something maybe isn't. But yeah, the, the rock on puns feel relatively harmless or at least plausibly well-intentioned to me. The stuff about some of your siblings want to move in or want you to just pay for everything makes a lot of sense that you don't want to do that, even if you do want to help out. There's a big difference between helping someone out and saying, move into my home, I'll pay all of your bills for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think in the context of like this later part about just, it seems like the letter writer does not quite enjoy the company of her half-siblings um, and don't doesn't feel necessarily loved or welcomed or just feels judged, I think, in some senses uh, by their half-siblings that, like, it makes sense that you don't want to help them out all the time or fund their lifestyles, etc. So I think you can generally feel okay about feeling that way. Um, and I think you could try to be upfront about that, you know, talk about that you don't appreciate their jokes, the jokes that they're making about uh, a harem and about like different affairs in the family and what that has to do with you. I, uh, that does seem uncomfortable and it just seems like something you should say upfront and just be like, I don't want these jokes to continue. They make me feel uncomfortable. No, and that's a really good point. I think I got too fixated on like, well, I think the rock on stuff is harmless. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry about that because you know, the rest of it is like, I don't even care if like maybe they did mean it cutely or like it was, they didn't actually put any sexual implications behind it. It was just a tasteless joke. But frankly, you've made it pretty clear that you don't like it. And at that point, it just crosses the line. Like anybody who, when they hear you don't like a particular kind of joke and keeps doing it or says like, well, our family always has affairs, so you have to deal with these jokes. That's just shitty. Of course, you don't like it. Uh, of course, you don't like it even more now that you know that they're kind of doing it to dig in their thumbs. Um, that's awful. And and it sounds like maybe born from a fairly painful childhood um, where your parents were alternately like neglectful or demanding. Uh, 
um, and really codependent. And maybe people often like joked about serious things or um, joked in order to make it clear, don't ask for help or don't ask for support. You're not going to get it. You need to toughen up. So the context here is, I think, pretty important. And I'm sorry about focusing so much on the rock stuff. (laughs) I don't care about that. Um, yeah, and I feel like maybe the jokes could also seem like resentful as well. That's probably the tone that like the letter writers sensing that like, oh, like you're having such a great life, but like blah, 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 like this is why. So I'm kind of curious about how much these half siblings need help. Like funding their lifestyle sounds like egregious or whatever. It's like, are they, do they actually need help getting rent or do they want to like, buy new cars or something. Right. Like, or like they want to make like, oh, I want to make a, you know, a boutique ice cream company and I want you to front the money for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I so I'm kind of curious about that. Like, I feel like if it is uh, so, something like a boutique ice cream parlor, you don't, I don't, I think that's an easy no. I think you, you do not have to fund these lifestyles. And you don't have to let anyone move in with you. Yes. You know, you already have three relatives living with you, even if they're, you know, like, I don't know, if they're, if their in-law unit is, you know, 50 feet away or whatever. Absolutely fine to just say like, that's not happening ever. I mean, realistically, like that doesn't even happen very often. It's not easy to move in with family and have enough space for it. So mm-hmm. for them, for your family to want that, uh, it seems a lot. But I think if it is something where, you, I don't know, if you did want to help out monetarily, you should set up some boundaries around it. Um, make sure that, you know, there's a pay payback payment system, something like that. Or that you're prepared to give it as a gift and you're not going to see that money again. Yep. Because, yeah. yeah, I think really, you know, it's interesting too that the question is not what should I do or how much money should I give? It's why. Mm-hmm. You know, why are they doing this? And... My suspicion is it's a combination of, you know, this is what they grew up with, this really tense, inconsistent, erratic emotional environment, and you seem like you're doing great. Like you have a wonderful marriage, you're having great sex, you have multiple in-laws you love so much that you want them, you know, living in your like Cullen-like property. Sorry, I had to bring Twilight in there. (laughs) But yeah, you like lived merrily together in like the Cullen compound, all happy. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you know, you don't have a bunch of kids, which is great. Sorry, I said that like anyone who has kids is unhappy. I just mean like, it sounds like for you, the no kids is like, this was on purpose. This is good. Um, and so you've got something that a lot of your relatives don't have, which is a different kinds of stability and contentedness and companionship. and. I would guess that part of the reason that some of your relatives want to tweak your nose about it is some combination of they're really fucking jealous. Yeah. And that's why they want to, and again, they might not be waking up thinking like, God, I hate her. I want her life in ruins. They may also really love you and in some ways be really happy for you and then in other ways be really jealous and upset and want to, you know, spoil the broth a little bit for you. And that's why they make the jokes because... Right. It's like kind of a lighthearted way. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like, God, she's got everything and I've got nothing and that pisses me off. That doesn't, by the way, make it okay. And that doesn't mean you should think, oh, they're really jealous because they're sad. And so I should be more patient and give them more money and let everything slide. 
Not at all. I just think that's part of why. And I don't know if knowing why is going to make it easier for you, but I really think you don't need to worry so much about why so much as like, hey, now that you know I don't like these jokes, you should stop making them. You know, that's it. It's a very simple request. And if they don't do it, then you kind of get to say like, okay, you've made it clear you don't actually want to have a conversation with me because you're doing something that you know hurts me. So bye. <laughs> I think, uh, yes, stating the stuff, like the feeling comfortable about jokes, not liking them. I think that's a good line to kind of draw. And it's like whenever they cross it, you're allowed to just sort of break off away from that and live your happy life. Yeah. And if you feel really guilty about that or like that makes you a jerk, just don't. <laughs> Sorry, I know that's very flippant, but like, just don't. Just don't feel bad. It's actually a super easy request. It would be incredibly easy for them to stop making that same joke over and over. Um, and if they want to stop, they will. So, you know, and, and anytime people kind of come back, as I suspect they might, at least some of them with, you're being too sensitive, the best response to that is just like, yep, you're right. I'm really sensitive about this one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's not the worst thing in the world to be like, yeah, I feel sensitive about something. Like, oh, no, like, what a horrible secret you've revealed about. Like, you know, sometimes people who who will trot out you're being sensitive as like, ha ha, I caught you doing something humiliating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't like it when you joke that I'm having sex with my brothers-in-law. You, you exposed my deep secret. I'm sensitive about that. Yeah, it's like, to this point, it's like such a ridiculous joke that's like, yeah, why are you doing this? So I understand what a letter writer is like, what is going on? Like, Mm -hmm. why is this happening? That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 